Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, trying to teach you about investing, saving, retirement, earning, taxes, and much, much more. I'm not much in taxes, but on occasion we do broach the topic. I work with some great financial planners that if you ever need a financial planner, I can set you up with. One of the things that really defines a successful investor is having the right expectations for your investments, being realistic. One of the things that has happened in the last five years is that millennials have gotten the investing bug. This has happened before. It's not the first time that young people have ever decided, I'm going to be smarter than my dad. I'm going to become this great white investor, great white hunter, great white boxer. I don't know what the phrase is. I'm going to be all that in a bucket of chicken. Great expectations for your investments or realistic expectations. In an ideal world, you'd prefer your investments to perform um, better than expected. You don't like surprises. You don't like down markets. Later today, I'm going to invest money in my 401k. And on Monday, I would be disappointed if the market were to drop 10, 15% and go, oh, if I had only waited another day. Obtaining better than expected results suggests you might not be adept at setting expectations in the first place. If you're getting 60%, 50% returns, when you're only trying to get 25% returns, you might be taking on more volatility than you thought. I know that sounds like a very odd thought. And yes, a lot of us have made lifetime earnings and lifetime savings look great by exposing to the stock market, sometimes in all tech funds, all growth funds, all the wrong places at all the right times. One of the things you can do is expect the unexpected. I have enough money to live till the day I die comfortably and leave money to my children comfortably. That is if I don't get too cocky and arrogant trying to maximize the final 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I don't know how long I'm on this planet for. Expect the unexpected. Think about 2008. Did you expect the stock markets decline to be as bad as it was? Probably not. What about 2013 when the S&P 500 index gained 30%? You probably didn't see expect results quite like that. When the financial markets experienced a lot of downside volatility, as they did in 2015 and early 2016, suddenly you're not, you're unhappy versus happy. And we forget this during the good times where we see that 46 out of 47 record highs in the first six months of 
for seven months of 2021. We forget that the volatility on the downside may get us a little bit more. Oh, I have a friend who likes to bet on horses. And one of the things he says, it's he'll load his app with $200. That'll last like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months. But if he loses the race, he knows he lost the race. He won't look at his jackpot or his total earnings until like two or three days later when the bite hurts less. And it's like a $2 bet. We have the same kind of mentality on Wall Street where we don't really get to see the downside. We don't like – here's the best way of saying it. In 2000, 2002, uh, email statements were not a common thing in the financial industry. Now they are. You don't ever have to open an email statement. You can just go, oh, I'm not going to open that. But when mail came to your house and it was stuck in an envelope, you got to the point of like, I should open that envelope. Someday. And you just looked at it. There are two types of expectations, reasonable and unreasonable. Later in life, when I'm looking for 3 to 6% returns for income, I really shouldn't be getting 10% returns, nor should I be getting 0%. Having double-digit returns when this market historically returns high single digits, maybe low double digits, depending on if you're counting income from dividends and or not, how you're reinvesting them. Taxable accounts, non-taxable accounts. Anything above the historical 8 to 10, 8 to 12 percent is too much. I once read a report on financial people like myself. I work with EP Wealth, so I'm not mis representing myself as a financial person. I'm in the industry. Been doing it for 25 years. Financial result, uh, we were given a report that says something along the lines of what rate of return would you take to walk away and never have to look at the stock market again? Uniformly, it was 15%. Not 50%, not 65, not 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 90, 100%. 15% because we know that 8 to 12 is doable just by putting in an index fund. You don't have to do anything smarter than that. You'll get the historical norm. If the historical norm holds up, but we tend to make things a little bit more complicated for by ourselves by living in the past. Oh, last year I made 30% on my, my portfolio was 75% apples and I somehow pulled out 30% with the market pulled out 10. Yeah, I was heavily concentrated. So just know on those really crazy up years, you're doing you're, you're, you're mismanaging your understanding of what you should be pulling out. Great expectations are the wrong thing. Realistic expectations are the right thing. If your portfolio's performance surprises you, it's good news and bad news. But you're also happy or sad. And if there's one thing I can teach you is you need to get emotions out of your investing. You'll become a better saver for your future which is a good thing. If you want double digit returns every year for the rest of your life, and that's what you're building into your financial plan, you're going to get caught up and fail. No financial planner anywhere would be able to produce such results that double digits returns every single year, or you're beating inflation two, three, four times.
And if it does, it comes with a price. Too much risk. I think there is some truth to the bigger they are, the harder they fall on Wall Street. If a stock goes up 100% in one year, let's say it's a gambling stock or horse betting stock or a marijuana stock, it could be a stock tied towards beating vaccines or replacing vaccines with, I don't know, pills or rubs. Some stock gets you 100% return. You can expect any 100% return to be met with a 40 to 60% correction. That's what a lot of young millennials are running into with the meme stocks is that when it goes up 100%, that's great. But when it goes down 40 to 60%, you don't know what to do. The greater the return, the, the greater the fall. But if a stock goes up 10% in a year, you might expect a bad week or month to be down 3 to 4%. Doesn't always work out like that. But the momentum stocks tend to have the biggest corrections. The growth stocks, second biggest corrections. Growth and income, not as much. And income, very little in corrections. In theory, doesn't always work that way, but in theory. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Listen to The Rob Black Show on your Alexa or Google Play device. Just say, listen to The Rob Black Show. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Seven insurance policies that you don't need. Insurance is one of those things that's really, really... You don't want to use it, but then when you need it to use it, you wish you had it. Probably pet insurance is the number one issue that we all go through. And we tend to say, nah, I don't have that kind of money right now when the puppy's born. But when the puppy's dying of cancer 10 years later, you're like, oh, I wish I would have bought it. Private mortgage insurance is one of those. You pay for PMI if you're buying a house. Your down payment is less than 5%. Sometimes it's less than 20%. If you fail to make your payments, the policy pays off. But it pays the lender, not you or your family. It's very, very misleading. If you now have 20% of equity in your home, ask your lender to cancel this insurance, which can easily cost you hundreds of dollars a month. And again, it does nothing, nothing for you when it enacted. It's really insurance for the lender, not for you, even though it looks like it's on my house. Mortgage life insurance. If you die, the policy pays off the remaining mortgage balance. That's a really bad idea because the money goes to the lender, not your surviving family. And the premiums are high. Replace that concept of mortgage life insurance with term life policy for yourself. So let's say I have a million dollar house with $500 of equity and $500 of IO. It wouldn't be the worst idea if I want to stop working in 10 years to get a $500,000 policy in case I'm not able to work in the next 10 years. My spouse doesn't make what I make kind of idea. But again, you might be sold mortgage life insurance by someone in the industry who works for a bank. 
I tend to try to work with independence on a lot of levels so that something can be crafted for you. Flight insurance is one of those ones that you probably don't need. The odds that you'll die in a plane crash or remote. Having said that, I'll probably die in a plane crash, knock on wood, right? If you buy flight insurance, it's kind of a waste of money. Check with your credit card company because some automatically bill you for coverage when you buy a ticket, even without the coverage. If you die in an accident, the airline is likely to compensate your family. But that's really, 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 really not the point, right? You should have enough life insurance to provide for your family, no matter the cause of your death, whether it be in a plane crash or car crash later today, heart attack, aneurysm, serial killer. I know you're saying, you, did you just say serial killer? Yes. Captain Crunch is on the loose. He's going to kill again. We need Dexter. Other types of insurance that you don't need. You don't need flight insurance. You don't need mortgage life insurance. You don't need private mortgage insurance. You don't need accidental death. Because let me tell you something. I'm not a linguistics major. I don't like embellishing. But death is death. Very few people have can tell the difference between accidental death and death. Your family does not need more money because you die in a freak accident instead of an illness or instead of heart failure. And it is always kind of interesting when you start your job at a company and HR is going through your benefits. And here, if you get accidentally dismembered and you're like, my family gets a million dollars if I get accidentally dismembered. It's probably costing the company all of like $1 to offer that. And it sounds better than it is because very few people lose their head. Unless you're a Scottish ninja. Cancer insurance. You could actually buy cancer insurance. You want life and health insurance that pay regardless of the diagnosis. Again, death is death. Dying of cancer sucks. But having the right health care insurance and having the right life insurance is probably a better idea than trying to get your healthcare policy, that extra rider that may or may not happen. And then again, don't you think the insurance companies go, well, he didn't really die from cancer. He died from lack of breathing because his lungs collapsed because he had cancer. Something tells me that one's not as easy to collect on at times as you think. Credit insurance. Credit insurance is if you die, it pays off your credit cards. Sounds like a good idea, right? But you're not supposed to carry a balance for month to month, so shame on you. Even if you do, cards in your name do not automatically become the obligation of your survivors. And if you fear they are, just get term life insurance, which is way less expensive than credit insurance. So there's a lot of product we spend money on that we don't really need to. Just think about that. How about children's life insurance? This is one that used to piss me off and I used to get, get kind of worked up on the show. Because you know that Gerber baby? I know you're saying Gerber baby. Jeez, is he going back that far again? Is he going to tell us he was the Gerber baby? No. No, I'm not. But 
There was Gerber baby life insurance that for just $25 or so per year, if your baby dies before 18, you'll be able to put him in a small coffin and not have to worry about the expenses of death. Very few people die before 18. And if you really want to, you can add your child as a rider to your life insurance policy. So never buy life insurance as a ways of saving for college. I'll go flat out on that one right there. Whole life and variable life piss me off because they're types of insurance that you don't need, but they sound too good to be true and they're not. Whole life, I can't speak for all of us, but I've done my job from age zero to 60 or 20 to 60. I probably won't need life insurance when I die at my predicted rate age of 76. My grandfather died at 91 with a farm, an oil well, something else. Oh, a couple pieces of real estate and some cash investments. His wife died a year later and it was all left to the children and the grandchildren. He didn't need whole life insurance. We didn't need his cash. We didn't need his investments. Had he invested that, he would have left us two or three times as much money. Living in 92 made the means the insurance company made money hand over fist on that one. Buy term and invest the rest. Learn good product and bad product. Follow me, Rob Black Show. If you need a financial planner, contact me at Rob Black Show. There's a button in the upper right. Contact me, Rob Black Show. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Some days are going to be better than other days on this show as far as content goes. I get that. I know that. You do too. I think we can make things a lot easier by accumulating wealth from age 20 to 60 and then managing it from age 60 to 100. Not a science. Can't say that's exactly how it's going to play out for you. If I was 55 with $100,000, I would have a, a reality check that I'll probably not retire at 62. I want a little bit more cushion than that. I know you're saying cushion. He's talking about pillows again. <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that. Um, it all starts when you're 20 for lack of a better phrase. You got to start getting good at thinking big picture of how much you're going to need. I think you're going to need somewhere between 500,000 to a million if you're going to live and just barely get by in retirement. I think you're going to need somewhere between one and four million if you want to live 
in class and style, have money for flights, have money for grandchildren, have money for home repairs without stressing, not eating or cutting back on spending to make ends meet. $1 million will pay about $40,000 a year before tax. With everything that's happening with our deficit and forgiving student loans and um, everything else that our government comes up to spend money on, we're probably going to be paying higher taxes. And yes, the rich and the wealthy will probably pay a larger portion of it. But that doesn't mean you're going to escape. And it doesn't mean that the wealthy are going not going to figure out how to hide it and stash it somewhere. A couple things you need to start laying the groundwork for in your 20s. Now, when you're in 60s, you're going to want to work with a financial planner. I got one if you need one. Number one in your 20s is start planning ahead. Um, I remember being in my 20s not knowing exactly where I was going to go. I was looking for love a lot more than anything else. Short term to me was five years. Midterm was five to 10. Long term was 20 plus. If you can sit down and sober up and say that, you're off to a good start. Live within your means is number two thing to do in your 20s. And again, this is all about setting you up in your 60s. Now, again, if you're listening in your 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, this will still mean something to you. Or it'll mean something to your kids. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. I hate what I'm seeing in FinTech right now. Uh, take your vacation now, pay for it later. Uh, take it home now, pay for half of it later. Typically, that comes with a very high interest rate, meaning what you bought just got way more expensive. Live within your means. And again, this is the saddest, saddest story. Um, I lost two women that I really, really care about because I was trying too hard to succeed in my 20s. And I thought I had to spend money and fly and vacation and stuff like that. And really all they wanted to do was like get creative with you know, charcoal and a drawing pad on a Friday night, maybe a bottle of wine. So my best dates were drawing each other. Um, and eating Frito-Lays on the couch. I know you're saying, Frito-Lays on the couch? I don't know. Corn chips work for me on the couch. In your 20s, you're going to want to make savings a habit. I don't care if it's $100 a month through Acorns. I don't care if it's $100 a month through your 401k. I would prefer it to be through your 401k. I want you to use that tax advantage retirement savings plan as much as you can, but just get in the art and the practice of doing it. My kid uh, tried out for a soccer club five weeks ago and he was awful. It's a much better club. He's, he's stepping up in competition and the first three weeks didn't go well and there was tears and then week four and five, he had a breakthrough because he's learned to make it a habit and keep showing up and keep trying. And what he learned from soccer was that when the competition got better, it took his body about a month to get better and pick up what they were doing. So habits are a good thing in investing. You make savings a priority. You amass an emergency fund. You have enough cash on hand to cover at least three months of your expenses. Uh, that could be argued to maybe go up to six to nine, depending on what type of work you do and how long it's going to take to find work. But you make it a habit. Kids who get good at baseball are kids who've done 14,000 swings in the batting cage. 
Michael Phelps isn't the greatest uh, swimmer of all time. He, he's the most consistent human being where every morning he got up with the pool, his mom probably threw him in and said, swim or die. Habitually, he put 12,000 hours in the pool and became an expert. Maybe part dolphin, but definitely an expert. Hey, Flipper. It's good to see you, Flipper. Flipper, did you see Chewbacca in the water? Wookiees can't swim. I will say this. I will lose my mind and urinate all over myself when Disney announces that they're making a Wookiee planet movie. According to Star Wars legend, there was a point in time where stormtroopers invaded uh, Chewbacca's planet. I think they killed his wife and his kids or something like that, and that's why he became a Han Solo fan. But that's the only Disney movie I have left to see in me, I think. Okay, okay, let's go back to the top 10 financial things in your 20s. You make saving a habit, good for you. $100 a month, 401k is the right way to do it if you have a 401k. IRA is the second right way to do it. You don't have to be perfect in this. Some financial planners will go, no, I'm taking you bad advice. No, no, no. I'm teaching you the art of the game, not the specifics. Pay off your credit cards. I know you're 20, you're young, you want some nice clothes, some good threads look cool on a Friday night. But uh, just be careful because you got cool threads. You're looking at the member of the opposite sex. You're checking each other out. You're loving on each other. And you're like, can I see you out with your mask on to make sure you got all your teeth? And sure enough, they take their mask off and they're toothless. Um, so credit cards are lovely, but they lead to you buying things that you don't necessarily need to have. $2,000 balance on 18% would take you nearly 10 years to pay off if you made the minimum 4% monthly payment. It would cost you an extra $1,100 for that original $2,000 balance. You just can't afford credit cards as a way of buying things you don't have cash for. Number five in your 20s, start investing. The sooner, the better. Start sacking away $200 a month at age 25. Get that 8% return that we've talked about. By the time you're 65, you'll have $703,000. $200 a month at age 25, 8% average annual return turns into $703,000. $200 a month, it can be found in your budget. Heck, it's some of our cable bill. But if you wait till you're age 30, $200 a month at age 30, just five years later, you only end up with $462,000. That five-year delay is going to cost you about a quarter of a million hard ones. Quarter of a million doleros. I think in your 20s, if you don't have credit, established credit and get good at it. Good credit versus bad credit makes you a pulper or a prince. A pulper. I tried to say popper or if I had a stroke. A pulper or a prince. In order to qualify for the best interest rates on a credit card, auto loan, or mortgage, you need to have a credit history. A good history can also save you a bundle on your auto insurance or help you land an apartment or a job. Building a good credit history in your 20s ensures that you're, it's there and ready to use when you need it. 
in your 20s, if you're looking around and you're like, man, that history degree turned out not to be the best thing in the world because they're not hiring a lot of history teachers right now or the Indiana Jones isn't exactly recruiting me to go to the Middle East to find the the holy temple of the ISIS person. That history marketing skill may mean time to go back to college. Now be careful because there's a lot of commercials on for colleges like DeVry and Phoenix Online that promise you a marketable skill all while doing it from the comfort of your home. A lot of those companies have under, been under attack by attorney generals for overpromising and underdelivering. But yeah, um, at my age now, if I were to lose my job in media, um, all I need to do is cover health insurance. So my marketable skill would be like, how can I get a 40 hour a week job that gives me health insurance? Cut the financial umbilical cord in your 20s. Oh, marketable skill? Go back to college if you have to. You're still in your 20s. You can pull it off. If you see Joanne down as a degree in coding, maybe you should go get a degree in coding. Cut the financial umbilical cord from your parents. Learn how to control your own finances in your 20s. Marry wisely is always a good piece of advice. Um, I wish I could have a do-over on my first marriage. It was a waste of time, waste of money, waste of the freaking fragging first marriage. Really get to know if you have similar financial values. Really get to know each other. Um, but also have some fun in your 20s. Not too much fun, not expensive kind of fun. There's a lot of inexpensive things to do in the world that are a lot of fun. You don't need a $300,000 boat. You don't need to go to Paris. You don't need front row concert seats. I'm Rob Black. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Thank you for listening to the show. It is not lost on me that you have plenty of other places you can go for entertainment and thoughts. I work with CFPs. I've been in the industry for 25 plus years. I feel very, very comfortable doing what I do. Um, my goal is to get you to create enough wealth on your end and then hopefully turn it over to a CFP later in life so that you can enjoy being a grandparent. I work with a CFP, Brad. There's no shame in that. I don't want to know the latest tax rules. I don't want to know uh, my drawdown rates. Oftentimes, he's willing to show me those. I'm like, nope, don't want to see them. You just do your job and I'll, I'm safe. It's kind of like having a life coach or a financial coach. that uh, I let him do his things. So in your 30s, we just talked about what to do in your 20s. Let's talk about what to do in your 30s because the 20s and 30s are the most important time to accumulating wealth. And what I mean by that is uh, obvious. Time is on your side. You want to pay off your non-mortgage debt. If you're in your 30s and you have credit card debt, pay it off. You want to start getting that. You want to start freeing up your cash flow. 
Um, focus on getting into your student loans and other non-mortgage debt, such as auto loans. Student loans could be questionable if you think the government's going to cancel student loans, but I don't know if I'd make financial decisions on that. Maybe. Up to you. Kick the debt cycle altogether in your 30s. Avoid getting into more debt just to get into more debt. I've got a $1,200 iPhone that it's cracked for the last year. It's three and a half years old. I'm probably going to make four, four and a half out of it, and I'm fine with that. I don't need a new one. Do I look sexy at the gym when I'm working with it on a treadmill? No. Do I care about looking sexy anymore? No. Sorry, it's cracked. If you don't like me, I'm okay. If you want to get serious about retirement in your 30s, you have to have a plan in motion. If you don't have ten dollars to $40,000 by age 30, you're probably going to work till the day you die. Because you're so far behind. Keep in mind, money doubles every seven years, roughly. I would like you to have almost $100,000 by age 35 to be well on your way of saying that when I turn 62, I can tell my boss to take this job and shove it. You want to diversify your investments. If you've been all in Bitcoin or Dogecoin or Pokemon cards or baseball cards, you might want to start thinking about stocks and bonds, maybe even real estate through real estate investment trusts. If my son came to me and said, Dad, I want to own real estate, you're wrong. The stock market's overvalued. All my friends have said that, but real estate is where it at. I say, okay, we'll go buy a real estate investment trust, a REIT. Started by our Congress in the 1960s. I think it was a way for wealthy white people, i.e. Congress, to help themselves out with tax advantages on buying real estate, getting the advantages of the valuation of real estate, but also getting the professional management on it. And the corporation doesn't pay taxes and it's just, it's a win-win situation of a way of owning real estate. I would prefer most people do that versus the idea of, I got to own the home that I live in or I'll die. Uh, people get way too serious about that. I want you to get serious about retirement. Diversification is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. In your 30s, you want to continue to learn. I see things change on a pretty regular basis as far as the rule of thumbs and the drawdown rates. Continuous education, training, and personal development in life is always a good thing. In your 30s, you want to start protecting your assets. I've got a friend who thinks that I go overboard in staining my fences and painting the exterior of my home. I'm like, I'm keeping termites out, dude. I'm doing a good job of preventing of maintenance. I'm protecting my assets. I update my homeowner's insurance and my renter's insurance and my health insurance and my disability insurance on a five to 10 year basis as my life has changed. I know you don't really want to update any of those, but you can definitely think about, am I still using a lot of health insurance or am I super healthy? You got to protect your assets with insurance, disability insurance, health insurance, Homeowner's insurance. You want to have an ample emergency fund in your 30s. Three to six to nine months of expenses in case you do go through a job loss. I have a friend whose fiance has been out of work for a while and she's on COBRA. 
Cobra is very expensive. Um, being out of work is very expensive. Remember, Social Security's figured out in a calculation by the years that you worked and how much money you made. So by going through long-term unemployment or unemployment, you're losing out on future Social Security. It's so much more expensive than just that. I've learned to live simply, and I laugh at people who live extravagantly. I don't need a big toy to, how shall I say, be a man. I see guys just roll up roll up the purchases to look masculine. I've got one friend. Oh my goodness. His $225,000 car looks silly now that he's getting a divorce two years later. Make your will known. This is time to start thinking, what am I going to leave to my heirs and what's it going to look like? Um, because now in your thirties, you do start seeing one friend drop off that you didn't think was going to. You want to get a term life insurance policy in your 30s? Not maybe so much in your 20s, and this is generically speaking, but in your 30s, you have a spouse, you have kids that are going to need your money if you die from losing your lack of ability to work. They're going to need that. So that's what you do in your 30s. Also, it's a good time to start being charitable so you can see both sides of the road. It opens up your mind a lot. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. If you need a financial planner referral, I've got some good ones that I work with at EP Wealth, including um, some really exciting ones. I'm really excited to work with in the coming days. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show.